Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we do on this podcast is we take a piece of pop culture and reveal how there's real history lurking just underneath the surface. So, what are we doing this time round? I always feel a bit redundant saying that, because of course you've already seen the title on the actual cover of this particular episode. So yeah, we're talking about cops this time. Hello, 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 what's all this then? Which means we are going to be going back to the Anglo-Saxon era, more than a thousand years ago in England, and we're going to be talking about agriculture and law. Trust me, the law bit's more interesting, but anyway, we have to start somewhere, and that's a pretty good place to start. A very good place to start. We're going to then link it to the Wild West. West. We're going to link it to Victorian Britain. There are lots of different things to talk about here, but if you might be thinking, well, normally there's the name of a specific brand or pop culture icon or whatever it may be. This one just says cops. Why is that, Jem? Dude, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Because it's a whole genre in itself. You can have something incredibly gritty, like the TV show The Wire, these five series of Baltimore police, and it spreads out so much further than the police force. Some people have referred to it as almost Dickensian, as it brings in different layers in society, showing you the underclass, basically, in the same way that Dickens would have done in Little Dorrit or Oliver Twist. So, yes, that's about as serious as it gets. It is an immense TV show. If you have not checked out The Wire, I can wholeheartedly recommend it. It is hard viewing. The very final montage of the very last episode I found very upsetting. A mixture of hope, but also despair. And that's after five series of the stuff. Really monumental TV show. Thoroughly recommend it. But then... You might want to have something more fun, something like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a comedy starring Andy Samberg about the hilarious hijinks of police officers in New York in the 99th District. Just to clarify, if you steal my watch by midnight, I will do your paperwork for a week, but if you fail, you will give me five weeks of overtime for free. That itself has had to change a little bit as it was going towards its last season, More on that and the reason for changes later on. You can have something utterly silly like Die Hard. Don't get me wrong. Love Die Hard. But if you're if you watch Die Hard and think, right, that's what I want to do as a police officer, you're going to be very sadly disappointed. Or you can talk about something that's sort of 
halfway between The Wire and Die Hard was something like Dirty Harry. Now you get Clint Eastwood being a sort of almost rogue cop, uh, as it were, which is a kind of almost an oxymoron in its sense, because police officers do have to follow the law. You can have buddy cop movies like Lethal Weapon. You get the idea. The list goes on and on and on. It's a remarkable, it's a job which can be repurposed into something exciting, into something socially and culturally important. You can use it to condemn society, to make police officers heroes. It is an incredibly modular, flexible system. You know, there are lots of police officer things where basically there's no violence. The police procedural, which is all about the detective work, something like that has more in common in terms of its cultural references to something like Sherlock Holmes than something like Die Hard, for example. And there's, there's good cop stuff, there's bad cop stuff. I mean, literally, the good cop, bad cop is a routine you're all familiar with as well. It is fascinating. There's even the concept of the prisoner's dilemma, which is used as a psychological study of people and how they deal when they're sort of put under potential questioning by the police. And of course, laws around the world are very, very different around police. For example, it's kind of famous in Britain that while there are a few armed units in the British police force, I believe the most commonly armed group is SO19. So if there is, for some reason, an incident involving guns or they're about to perhaps raid a place where there is likely to be firearms, SO19 as a tactical unit will go in first. That would be the British equivalent of the SWAT team. But your average Bobby on the beat walking along the road Good evening, all. will basically have pepper spray and a truncheon, a baton, and that's it. That's all they've got. Whereas in America, for example, France, every single police officer is armed. Now, there are sort of special armed units like SWAT teams, for example, which stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. SWAT means special weapons and tactics. Where were your tactics out there? That's what SWAT actually stands for. So, yeah, there's just so many things here. I mean, look, I I guess we could do condensed histories, the cop channel, because we could literally go from each one of these over and over again. I'm more than happy to return to this well to dip into it again, because there are some very serious things to talk about and some more lighthearted stuff, too. Now, what I wanted to do is perhaps grab some of those that I've mentioned there. I've already gone a little bit into the wire. But I want to talk about one that I I haven't mentioned yet, and it's Mayor of Easttown. And I don't like it, and my wife didn't like it. Now, this is one from HBO, starring Kate Winslet as a police officer called Mare, M-A-R-E. So this is generally play on words for a TV show works great for comedies. But if you're trying to have a gritty police procedural, probably not a great idea because you think, oh, Mare is an elected official of, of Easttown. No, it's just she kind of almost runs the thing in Easttown. And I want to be clear. Kate Winslet is a national treasure in Britain. She comes from the home counties, which is just outside of London. She was well brought up. She had a good upbringing and, you know, she's been married to some famous people. She's been in some absolutely monster movies. I'll never let go. I promise. But she's she's Oscar winner as well. She is a remarkable actress who's done so many different things in her career. And in this, maybe it's a career best. There is just no doubt that you believe her to come from Pennsylvania. She's always lived in a small town. She's American as apple pie. 
and she's a bit haggard and a bit frazzled with her private life and family life. And yeah, I really admire her performance. But the show she's in, I think this is a classic example where people confuse performances with actual script writing and storyline and things like that. My wife was sitting there watching it and she was going, oh, for God's sake, this is just Happy Valley in America. And I went, okay, well, I haven't watched Happy Valley. Convince me. She goes, well, in Happy Valley, the central character is a woman, late 40s, early 50s, where she has a very young grandchild, but she has to look after it because her son's died. And, you know, part of it's a police procedure where she's trying to find out who the murderer is, but also at the same time, you also are seeing the family life and how it's all sort of affecting things. And that is exactly the same in Mayor of Easttown. What I've just described applies to both of those. So I'm sorry, if Kate Winslet wins something like a Golden Globe for her acting in the, the show. And the Golden Globe goes to Kate Winslet. Yeah! I'd say, yeah, absolutely, give it to her. But if those screenwriters get anything, I'm pretty sure that whoever the writers of Happy Valley are need to phone them up and sue them, basically. Because, you know, that's just a direct rip-off. The other thing is, it is... It's efficiently written. My wife was saying in the first episode, she's clearly more into this kind of stuff than me. She's, I was saying, oh, I really like that character. I went, yeah, well, she's obviously the one that's going to die. I went, oh, really? He goes, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're trying to feel, you know, walk in the shoes of the victim so that you will therefore want the murder to be solved. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And it's sort of, so that's very depressing and okay, fine. And then on top of that, there's this sort of this rogues gallery of characters and you have to try and work out which one's potentially the murderer. And there are little hints and clues, just like if we're talking about, as I said, in the Harry Potter episode, you know, that's a standard thing you get in Harry Potter because that was following the same kind of format as a murder mystery. So, yeah, they, they are mechanically going through that. Do they do it well and efficiently? Yes. Do they do it uniquely? Absolutely not. It's another thing that might be worth remembering when everybody's cooing and going ooh and ah over this show. But to show you how standard this show is, you know, it, it's very gritty, poorly lit. Everybody's kind of poor. Nobody's driving a nice car. All this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's very much, it feels very real. Oh, sort of like a downtrodden, forgotten, rust belt kind of town in America. But later on in the series, I'm not even going to call this a spoiler. Yes, you technically don't know this at the beginning of the show, but as soon as you see it in the show, you will roll your eyes and go, really? Because at some point in the show, she oversteps you know, her boundaries. And so her superior officer demands that she gives him her badge and gun, and she's off the case. Here's my gun and my badge. I don't need those. You're not suspended yet. You're on administrative leave. Never let me do anything cool. And at which point I turned around to my wife and went, oh, oh, really? We're, we're now down to sort of like action movie fodder. This stuff wasn't original in the Lethal Weapon movies in the 1980s. And here we are seeing it in 2020 or 2021. World is a flat circle at the moment. Time is just out there sort of slowly moving like treacle. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Who knows? You get my point. At least 30 years have passed, and even then that wasn't even original. It's just ridiculous. And it's like, really? You, so you're trying to be a gritty, realistic drama, but you're going to use all the tropes of a certain type of this genre, and also you're then going to take away a badge and gun. And guess what happens next? Does she give up? Does the murderer get away with it? Or does she continue her police work, even though she's now on suspension for various pending charges against her? Go on, guess what happens. Now, weirdly, you're going to think, this is a hell of a jump, Gem. But I'm going to say, and that's what it's a bit. I made passing reference to this earlier. 
but you get the same kind of thing in Dirty Harry. Now, this is a series of movies. The last one came out in 1989, when Clint Eastwood, even then, was kind of grey and too old for this. It was a fairly big box office success. It was called The Deadpool. Now, this is really, this shows you how we go from the era of, like, the 1970s and Clint Eastwood in, in all these little action movies into the modern world, because it was a pretty big hit in the cinemas, because it was the first movie to have the trailer for 1989's Batman. I'm Batman. You know, the one with Michael Keaton in it. So everyone wanted to see that trailer, so they, a lot of people apparently went to see the trailer, you know, bought their ticket for the Deadpool, and then left. So, okay, fine, the makers of the Deadpool didn't care because they still got their money. But it does show that by then it probably wasn't a very relevant character. So it's linked to superheroes. Of course, I'm calling it The Deadpool, and you're well aware that there's a very successful series of movies called Deadpool, about a superhero, question mark. But the other thing in it is, basically it's about the murder of a rock singer. And this rock singer is played by, in a very straight role, by Jim Carrey. Well, I don't see why we couldn't shoot on a nice warm soundstage instead of a meat locker. Now that you watch it, you're kind of expecting him at some point to bounce off the wall or go, alrighty then, or whatever. But no, no, he's, he's just a rock singer. And he is miming to Guns N' Roses, you know, the hottest band of the late 1980s. Rock band, I should say, of the late 1980s. So... It's an amazing crossing point, tipping point between the old and new. But the thing about Dirty Harry, and there are loads of these quotable lines, but the whole one about go ahead, make my day, really hoping that Greg jumps in now and puts some, some Clint Eastwoody quotes from these movies. Go ahead, make my day. That one doesn't come from the original Dirty Harry. That comes from several iterations later. In the original one, there's the speech about did I fire five shots or only, uh, did I fire six shots or only five? I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Which is actually said twice and is a very good book ending of the movie. It's a very efficient thriller. It's actually based loosely around the Zodiac killer who genuinely was a serial killer in the sort of Bay Area, that's sort of like Los Angeles, San Francisco, in the late 1960s. Now, the thing about the Zodiac killer is he was never caught. But there was one thing where he kind of fantasized. They knew, the police knew that he wanted to hijack a bus full of kids and sort of hold them to ransom, which is the kind of pinnacle of the, or the, the climax, I should say, of the Dirty Harry movie. But what we've got with Dirty Harry is we see a very, very harsh, very right-leaning, very authoritarian take on the law. You could say that Dirty Harry is the origins of something like Judge Dredd. And there's no doubt that Harry himself is uncorruptible, like Dredd. He is firm but fair. He is homophobic. He is racist. But at the same time, he hates everybody, which is why he's, he's almost like equal opportunities horrible to people because he doesn't like anybody. You know, it doesn't matter if you're sort of, say, let's say black and gay. He'll be just as rude to you if you're white and straight. Yeah, that's a thing. But he is brutal. There are scenes where he is torturing an individual to try and get a confession out of them. That breaks a whole bunch of laws. But this is shown as a police officer desperate to try and get this person to confess because he knows that they're guilty. And this is something that we're going to get into big problems with later on. 
But undeniably, Dirty Harry is a type of movie that is repeated again and again and again. You will frequently see police officers breaking the law, not necessarily just white police officers. It could be Will Smith, Martin Lawrence's Bad Boys. Bad Boys, Bad Boys, what you gonna do? That's sort of action, that's comedy, that's allegedly police work. Now, I have several people, actually three different people in my life who are police officers in Britain. And they tell me interesting stories and they've always got opinions on TV shows. And, and this is the thing. There are basically tropes. Tropes is another word for cliches. Very common ways of showing people in movies and TV. Because let's face it. These I'll just stick to movies. A movie is trying to tell a story. Okay, it, it almost doesn't matter what the person's job is. That's not the story. The story is this person is going to meet a problem and try and overcome this problem and hopefully you know, win out at the end of the day. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And, you know, police officers are quite useful because trying to solve a crime is a pretty obvious problem. Be it something fairly believable in, well, very believable in something like The Wire, or how about this one? Seven. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, where these crimes are based on the seven deadly sins. That is so high concept that would never happen in real life. And yet that was a movie where we're meant to believe that they're as real as a police officer just walking down your, your street. No fingerprints, no witnesses of any kind. Nope. And yet it's as fantastical as we might as well have Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code at this point. So the thing is that there are these cliches about different jobs. If you think about it for a moment, doctors. Almost all doctors in movies, TV shows, are basically heroes, okay? They're good-looking, they're good at their job, 
And if you think about your local GP, oh, I hope they're good at their job, but they probably don't look like George Clooney in their prime. Okay. So yeah. So that's the thing about doctors. Then if we go to something like accountants, according to movie land, they're always boring. I know several accountants. They're not boring. Their jobs are, but they aren't. But they're always kind of wimps and sort of sniveling. And, and that's, that's just not what happens. And then you get to salespeople, Wolf of Wall Street, Glengarry Glen Ross. They're always evil, they're always nasty. And yet you have interacted with lots of really professional business salespeople, but you didn't think you were being sold to because they didn't act anything like Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street. So the point is, all of these are completely unbelievable. And going back to the police officers that I know, they all say the same thing. Long shift work. There is an awful lot of social work involved in it. And also there's a lot of paperwork. At no point do you see John McClane or anybody else, all the police officers at the base of Nakatomi Towers. Nobody is doing paperwork and assessing the situation, whatever that may be. We have to do a considerable amount of paperwork. But now we come on to the problem of your dirty Harrys or bad boys or, or whatever it may be. Police officers there are officers designed to uphold the laws of the land. And you can start arguing going, well, they've got one hand tied behind their backs compared to criminals. But the answer to that is, yeah, they have to because they're not criminals. If you're defending the law, you're not allowed to break the law. There are certain exceptions to that. For example, during a high-speed police chase, which is incredibly rare, yes, you're allowed to break the speed limit. But even then, you have to drive safely. And if a police officer was to, let's say, heaven forbid, hit a pedestrian during that high-speed police chase, the police officer would be liable for all the rules of the land because their carelessness, their dangerous driving, in essence, led to an injury of somebody who had nothing to do with the incident. Obviously, in Britain, we are far less likely to have firearms fences by police officers. In America, dozens of people are shot every month, not, not year, by police officers. And police officers themselves are shot and killed in America. It's a bit more like the Wild West, which we'll be coming on to. But this idea, this perverse idea that police officers can only really get the job done when basically all the, the cuffs are off and the, the rules and restraints have been removed. Now they can really do the police work is a very dangerous one. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. And going back to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that's why they started changing the last series because they were beginning to film in 2020 at the same time as we had the horrific incidences with the likes of George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks. And you start seeing what happens when the police do think that they're immune to any kind of prosecution. And that's the worrying thing. It shouldn't be law at any cost, because if you go down that route, you end up with Dirty Harry or Judge Dredd. There do have to be restrictions for the police because they are officers of the law and not basically the Wild West where they can do whatever they want. And it's very easy to start having corrupt police officers or police officers who want to be perhaps overly attentive to certain ethnic groups. And then you've got all kinds of harassment going on. There have been cases, it doesn't matter where we are in the world, those sorts of biases and cases happen. Obviously, some police forces are perhaps more interested in creating good relationships with the local community than others, Jem said politely. But the fact of the matter is all of them should, in theory, be looking after the local community. That's what they're there for. So let's do a bit of history on the police, shall we? So first things first, even as a child, you were aware 
that there was this thing called a sheriff. And clearly sheriffs come from two very different things because you've seen stuff on TV. What am I talking about? Well, the only sheriff in the whole of Britain that you know of is the sheriff of Nottingham, courtesy of Robin Hood. And then we've all seen westerns where there is a guy with a cowboy hat on and he's got a badge on his waistcoat which says sheriff. Those two things are separated by 500 years and an ocean. How could they possibly be the same thing? Well, they kind of are and they kind of aren't. So first of all, where do we get the word sheriff? It's a weird word. And the answer is, and this is where we go to agriculture during the Anglo-Saxon era in England, is the land had to be parceled up so everybody knew what to work on. You couldn't just sort of wander into a field and start growing stuff. That wouldn't be very efficient. Basically, enough land to keep a family fed was called a hide. Now, a hide was of different sizes depending on where you were in England because the soil was better or worse in different places. And also some places were like arable growth and the other places were basically with herds of cattle or, or sheep or whatever. So, you know, there were different considerations. So a hide wasn't a standard size like, let's say, an acre. An acre is a defined space. But a hide was basically how much people had. Usually, once we get to that thing called crop rotation, remember that, where you had three fields? Two of the fields would be worked on, and then the third field would be left alone for a year to allow it to replenish its nutrients called fallow, keeping it fallow. Do you remember that? So usually your hide would be chopped up between three fields so that you always had something to grow, and then there's obviously yeah, a bit that you have to leave for a year. So a hundred hides was called a shire. You know, where Bilbo Baggins lives. That's where the word shire comes from. And this also where you get lots of the word shire in an ending in English place names like Buckinghamshire or Buckinghamshire. Any place ending in shire, I'm not saying that entire area was one shire, but that's where the word shire comes from. And you basically had a royal official looking after that shire and they were called a shire reeve. Okay, I see what you did there. And you can work out that Shire Reeve eventually gets smooshed together, and that's where we get the word sheriff from. But that system continued even after you get the Norman Conquest in 1066. It was a pretty efficient, standard way of administering the arable land and the farming land of England, which, let's face it, was 99.9% .9 of all the land, because almost nobody lived in a town or city. We all tended to live very much in the countryside before the Industrial Revolution. Speaking of which, <laughs> as the joke goes, at half past six, Robert Peel created the police. What does that mean? 1830. It's really easy to remember, very conveniently. In the, so we're now in the time of the Industrial Revolution, and we got Robert Peel, and he invents the first paid for, basically, people who are representing the law, walking around, trying to stop crime, trying to arrest wrongdoers, etc. You know, a police force, which is why... So his name's Robert Peel. One of the nicknames for Roberts is Bobby, which is why... You have two nicknames for British police officers, one of which is very much out of date, but they used to be called, well, they still are sometimes called Bobbies, and they used to, in the 1800s, be called Peelers because of Robert Peel. Kind of makes sense. So that's where the first police force happens. But you're going to turn around and say, well, hang on, Jim, 1830? There's a lot of civilization before that. And so what you had were things like the guard, like a, a town, let's say a walled town like York, you would have had the city guard or the town guard. And these were people who would sort of be police, but also sort of 
guards as in you know like guarding gates and things like that and almost like a militia force in the event of like attack or something like that yeah police work was part of their job but it wasn't really everything and and certainly if we're talking about something like 1300 a guardsman would not be literate they would not necessarily know all the laws they could work out that theft was a, was against the law and they could work out that you know fighting and stabbing somebody would be against the law but they certainly weren't well educated in the legal codes of that time it's a common misconception, by the way, that there wasn't any law during the Middle Ages. It was actually incredibly litigious. So much so, and I love this fact, that despite all the at least ethnic cleansing, at worst genocide in the Americas, when the Spanish went over and dismantled both the Aztec Empire and the Incan Empire in South America, it's interesting that despite all this bloodshed, despite all this sort of ravaging of the lands and enslaving of the locals, they did think it was going too far to allow any lawyers to come over to the New World. Lawyers were banned for a time because nobody likes lawyers, apparently, allegedly. I'm not a pirate. So happens I am a lawyer. Kill the lawyer! I'm not that kind of lawyer. Just to sort of go back to real police work, I was talking to one of these police people that I know, and they had, how can I put it, the honour is a dubious way of putting it, but they were involved in a major sting operation where they were going in to arrest somebody for murder. And to give you an idea, this police officer was told by his superior that basically goes, look, in my 15, 16 years of being a police officer, I have only ever arrested one person for murder once, and that charge got downgraded to GBH, grievous bodily harm. So technically, I have never arrested anybody for murder. That's how rare murder actually is. If you watch the news, you think the streets of whichever city you're living in are running with blood because it's always worth remembering the news. I hope the news you're looking at is unbiased, you know, is even handed at showing you things like politics. But basically, what is newsworthy is unusual. This is why you'll never get a news story of 53-year-old woman from Hampshire had a nice day today. It's, it's boring, there's nothing to say, but if that woman was attacked by a street gang or something like that, that might be newsworthy. So yeah, sometimes the news can be accused of sort of like trying to create a sense of fear. And the more it does that, the more I would say you need to be wary of that kind of news source. So the thing is, murder's pretty rare, but police have been around for quite a long time because what I find interesting is words in different languages. If you look at something very basic like water, it has completely different names in different parts of the world because that word was created so long ago there was no interconnection between all the different civilizations. But an example of a modern word, which basically is the same everywhere, spelled slightly differently, but you, it sounds the same, is computer. You know, it might be spelt with a K in some places. It might be you know, slightly different, but you know when they go blah, 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 computer, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, we're clearly talking about IT. And it's the same thing with police. You know, you probably can't speak any Turkish, but if you saw somebody dressed in a uniform and it says P-O-L-I-S on it, you can work out that's a police officer. And it might be Polizia in Italy or wherever, yes? The only one that's slightly unusual is in Wales, which is Hedlu, H-E-D-D-L-U, and that is a literal translation of, I think it's Keeper of the Peace, which is exactly what a police officer is, but it is slightly annoying if you are, let's say, Russian, and you see Hedlu, and it's like, I don't know, is that special forces in Britain? I, it's, it's not going to be a, a word that's well known throughout the world. So there are always some exceptions, but it is interesting. Around the world, generally, the word police or a variation of it is used for law enforcement officers. 
So, I've talked about the Shire Reeve of the Anglo-Saxon era. Let's now move on to the Sheriffs of the Wild West. Yee-haw! The highest riding is rootin' tootin' cowboy hero of all time, Sheriff Woody! So, basically, the Western frontier, it, it, it's always worth remembering, when America says we became independent in 1776, it is a far more complex conversation than that. For starters, the signing of the Declaration of Independence may have started on the 4th of July, 1776, but it took months to get everybody's signature. If you have seen that famous painting of everybody sitting there in a room waiting to sign it, that's a bit of myth-making. That never happened. That's why in America one of the nicknames for your signature is put your John Hancock on it, because John Hancock, a man basically not not known for anything anymore, except signatures, was one of the first people to sign the Declaration of Independence. George Washington wasn't there first. Alexander Hamilton wasn't there first. No, John Hancock was one of the first. There we go. But to give you an idea of how random that date is, fighting, actual fight, well, First of all, you get something like the Boston Tea Party. That's in the very early 1770s, way before 1776. Then in 1775, that's when fighting actually broke out between Britain and America. So why don't we have that date as the start? And peace wasn't declared and ratified until 1783 with the Treaty of Paris. So really, the 4th of July 1776 is meaningless because they were going to be fighting for basically another seven years before being formally recognised. But even then, when it was all finally ratified, it was, of course, only the 13 original states. That is, in essence, the East Coast. So what happened from, you know, look, it took a while to calm down. One of the first things that happened is America needed to create some taxes to run their government. And the, the, it turns out the Americans didn't like taxes. We already knew that with the Boston Tea Party, but it led to the whiskey tax revolt in the 1790s, which George Washington had to put his, basically put on his officer's uniform for one last time and put down a revolt. People died in the whiskey tax rebellion. So yeah, that was a thing by 1800. This is when we start seeing the westward expansion of these original 13 colonies start gobbling up other things. There was this massive thing in the early 1800s called the Louisiana Purchase, which is a terrible name because it was a place far bigger than Louisiana. It went all the way along the Mississippi floodplain, basically. It was a huge chunk of Central America, modern-day America, and even a little bit of southern Canada. It was a huge area of the Louisiana Purchase, but once that was bought off, France, because France claimed it. I mean, obviously, the local natives in no way knew anything about this, but that also encouraged people to head out west. As people are heading out west, you've got situations where, and this is actually in the TV show Deadwood, Deadwood at a time, you know, everybody spoke American, they felt that they were American, but it wasn't yet to be in actually a state. It didn't technically have the standard federal laws of America because it wasn't hadn't been federalized yet, hadn't been become part of America yet. And there was a debate about do we join North or South Dakota so they could even get the best deal possible and whichever one gives you best deal, congratulations, that's where your border of your state end up. Deadwood. That's a real thing. So to keep things under control, basically the government, everyone recognized some law and order would be a good thing. And so you basically a sheriff was sent out. Nowadays, sheriffs still exist in local towns and they tend to be elected officials. This can lead to abuse of powers, because if everybody knows that guy, then that guy gets to be sheriff. But hey, we voted for you, so do me a favor. This has caused issues over the decades. But the point is that they just needed a name for it, so they came up with basically reused. A lot of things in America have been reused from Britain, from the home country. An interesting fact is the very first international cricket match, you might imagine, clearly that's going to be 
England versus Australia, or maybe England versus Scotland. No, it was America versus Canada in 1840. Yeah, you wouldn't have expected that America would have been the first country to have played international cricket. It's just one brief example of how you've got all these different connections between America, and even though they've thrown off the shackles of, of colonialism from the old country, people still kind of thought that way. So hence why we get the, the sheriffs in the Wild West basically using the same name, but actually what they were doing was quite different. As I said, the Shire Reeves of Anglo-Saxon England, they would basically be administrators. Part of that administration would be settling, let's say, disputes between local families over land. That would be a very common thing to be argued about. So yes, they did have a level of law, but you know, they didn't saddle up a posse to ride somebody out of town. That would have been more like the 1860s in America. A scene that I absolutely love in most Westerns. Okay, it's a, it's a classic, shall we say. But they weren't, strictly speaking, police even then. You did have police in major cities on the East Coast because the concept of police had been invented again in Britain a generation earlier. And once it was invented, it pretty much caught on like wildfire around the world. I mean... France generally doesn't like to copy things from Britain, their main competitor, but they certainly had a police force, or gendarmerie, as they like to say. So, yeah, I, I find the topic of police really interesting. There can be no doubt that there needs to be more sensitivity, because if all we do, as we grew up, we all saw these shows about cops having to hand in their badges and guns, and they get into really exciting adventures, and that is fine in terms of entertainment, but it does start making us feel like we can trust the police. If they've gone rogue, they're going to end up doing the right thing, but what one thing that 2020 proved to us is no, they absolutely need to be kept under the same restrictions as everybody else do, because not everybody in the police force is a nice person, and they have their own frailties, biases, hatreds and that's when you need the whole force of the law to come down against any kind of wrongdoer police included there we go hope you found that one interesting love to get your thoughts on this one but and also what's your favorite cop shows and, and movies were you disappointed i didn't mention one that you particularly love or you know are you going to sort of wax lyrical about what's better lethal weapon or bad boys that'd be an interesting conversation to have over to you, your thoughts, as always, hopefully speak to you soon. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.